Welcome to Vaccination on ReachMD, sponsored by Moderna. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Welcome to Vaccination on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me today to take a look at the COVID-19 vaccine booster shots is Dr. Anyema Agwagu, Associate Professor in the Section of Infectious Diseases at Yale University School of Medicine. Dr. Agwagu, thanks for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's dive right in, Dr. Agbagu. In light of the CDC's updated guidelines, which patient populations are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine booster shots, and why are those shots needed? That's a great question, and I think that we know that the vaccine boosters are needed for mainly two reasons. One is the observation of waning immunity over time, and this has been shown a little more strongly in older individuals, people above the age of 60 to 65, but also among certain cohorts like frontline workers as well as healthcare workers followed over time. And so based on some of these data, as well as the data that's emerged from the different groups, including data from Pfizer and now Moderna and J&J, showing that booster shots are able to not just improve immunogenicity outcomes, but also provide additional protection. And then the second reason is really because of Delta. I mean, Delta, since the marriage was found to be way more infectious, and I think it led to the fourth wave of infections here in the U.S. and has been really troublesome for other parts of the world, even those who've had high vaccination rates. So for now, the CDC guidance clearly states that for older individuals above the age of 65, or even those above the age of 18 who have underlying medical conditions, and these could be anything from chronic lung disease, chronic liver disease, and other immune compromising conditions uh, should definitely receive a booster vaccine. And with some individuals who are at risk, either through living or working in certain facilities, and these individuals above the age of 18, you know, for example, in prison systems or the institutional facilities, would should also receive a booster. So I think these uh, recommendations are in line with the emerging data around, again, increasing vulnerability to infection for those who are, have been at least four to six months out from their primary vaccination series. Now, based on those guidelines, patients may receive a booster shot that's different from their initial vaccine. So are there any concerns regarding this type of mix and match dosing? I think that this is important, particularly for parts of the world that do not have access or ready available supply of vaccines, such that what they have at any point in time is what they can use and offer to their populations. But I think initially there was a lack of data on those mix and match strategies. But I think since then, there have been important studies that have emerged that have shown uh, certain advantages to certain mix and match combinations. We've had a lot of data emerge from the UK around viral vector vaccine, AstraZeneca vaccine, in combination with uh, messenger RNA vaccine, primarily Pfizer. And we've also had data from the NIH here in the US around uh, mix and match strategies. And across those studies, it appears to be an advantage to a combination of a viral vector vaccine with a messenger RNA vaccine. Granted that uh, some of these studies have looked at immunogenicity primarily, which is just generation of uh, neutralizing uh, antibodies, but also there have been reports around safety and reactogenicity which appears to be at least comparable between the mix and match groups and those who uh, stay with the same uh, vaccine for their uh, primary series. And so for now, it appears that, you know, maybe there's an advantage to a viral vector uh, messenger RNA combination, which in the U.S. would translate to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine followed by a messenger RNA vaccine booster as being able to result in greater immunogenicity data. So, but across the board, I think that in, in spite of whatever series are received, the booster within the same uh, vaccine, 
vaccine or a mix and match strategy that you know these combinations are expected to perform well regards to you know preventing disease and preventing hospitalizations and death keeping those concerns in mind what are the most common side effects of these booster shots that clinicians and patients should be aware of I think that we need to think about what the known adverse events are. I think important to mention that for all the authorized vaccines that they have been shown to be safe, and some of them do have side effects that are relatively rare. You know, so for example, with viral vector vaccines, we know that there was an issue around clots, especially for uh, premenopause women. We know for some of the messenger RNA vaccines that for younger individuals, typically less than age 30, very rare cases of myocarditis. But in a broad sense, I think these adverse events tend to occur at very low rates such that feel confident that any one of the vaccines that have been authorized and or approved should be safe. And certainly, they have to be considered some of these rare side effects in regards to mixing and matching. For example, I think that an argument could be made that a combination of viral vector and messenger RNA vaccines as boosters could be a strategy that would be favored given that some of the data that we have available. Otherwise, it appears that uniformly across the different booster studies that the boosters tend to be as well tolerated as the second dose of the primary series. In some cases, there have been maybe a little higher reports of local reactions, in some cases, even lower systemic reactions. So it seems overall that the data suggests that the booster shots are very well tolerated across the different vaccine approaches. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Vaccination on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and here with me today is Dr. Anyema Agwagu, who's sharing what we need to know about the COVID-19 vaccine booster shots. Now that we have a better understanding of who's eligible for the booster shot, let's take a look at this in the context of other preventative measures. Dr. Agwagu, if a patient is planning on receiving a mammogram or flu shot, when should they receive their booster shot? Yeah, so let's start with the issue of mammograms. That's a very important question because I think, you know, with both the primary vaccine series and I think with the booster shots as well, there have been reports of local reactions, particularly in the context of lymphadenopathy. And so that um, there have been reports, especially for women who are going for important uh, cancer screening modalities like mammograms, that there could be large lymph nodes that in sometimes could be a confounding diagnosis of, of a malignancy. So I think the guidance is best practice might be to try to refrain from mammogram with two to four weeks following a vaccination would would make some sense. As to other vaccinations, I think some evidence suggests that we do not expect that receiving other vaccines at the time of a COVID-19 shot should impact the effectiveness of COVID-19. In the world of infectious disease in general, we're used to administering different viral antigens. For example, the measles, mumps, rubella is a composite vaccine involving three different antigens, and we have other uh, uh, vaccine constructs that involve different antigens. So especially because we're heading into later part of the fall and the winter, where some of these respiratory viruses are picking up, I think everyone would do well to get their flu and influenza and COVID-19 vaccine as soon as possible, and it's okay to receive both together. And with that in mind, how can we address common questions and confusion points with our patients? With COVID-19, we've had to really educate our patients as to a lot of things around COVID-19, the pathogenesis of the disease, the risk factors for progression, how to protect themselves, the role of the public health measures, including mask wearing, physical distancing, hand washing, and now also the critical role that you know the vaccines have played um, in really providing robust protection against you know severe illness and hospitalization across 
the different vaccines, but also to protect against infection and also a role in preventing uh, transmission. So I think we have just continued to reassure the public that we continue to make recommendations based on the best evidence available and that the clinical trials that have led to the authorization and approval of treatments and vaccines in general have been very rigorous and have been, you know, gone under the scrutiny of independent regulatory agencies so that these vaccines are safe and, and effective. And we hope that that continues to improve uptake. Looking to the future, Dr. Agbagu, how do you think the booster shots will impact our efforts to combat the COVID-19 pandemic? I think it's pretty clear based on the data we have, especially with the Delta variant with its increased um, infectiousness, that the booster shots do hold promise because, you know, we've seen some of the data, real world data, and also the clinical trial data. I think Pfizer just released their data on on the booster shots showing that there was about a 96% reduction in uh, symptomatic cases between those who received the booster and who didn't. And that was a high quality study because it was a randomized controlled trial uh, study design. So, you know, boosters do hold promise to restore vaccine effectiveness, even in the face of a contagious variant uh, like Delta. And I hope that as we continue to vaccinate uh, more people, I think that greatest impact on impacting the echo actually be vaccinated, unvaccinated, probably a little more than boosting the vaccinated. But I think as we get more people vaccinated, as we get less and less of the population who are vulnerable to infection, hopefully we can see case numbers drop below a point where we think that the epidemic is definitely under control. But I think we've learned important lessons that this should be something that occurs not just in the United States, but globally, because as the virus continues to circulate, including the emergence of, you know, what people are calling a Delta Plus, as long as we've not snuffed out the virus in every part of the world, there's always the concern that a new variant emerged that could send us back to the drawing board with our vaccines, with monoclonal antibodies, and also with increasing case counts. So I'm hopeful that as the vaccine rollout continues, as people get their boosters, and, you know, I think that we're starting to see some early dividends of that with what appears to be a waning fourth wave of infections. Well, with those forward-looking thoughts in mind, I want to thank Dr. Anyema Agbagu for sharing his insights on COVID-19 vaccine booster shots. Dr. Agbagu, it was great speaking with you today. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Vaccination, sponsored by Moderna. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash vaccination, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.